Blog Talk Radio. Da 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 da
Divine, all blessed, peace and love, joy and prosperity, revelation and manifestation. This day of thankfulness and gratitude. You are now listening live and always an archive at your leisure and convenience to the Divine Prince, Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagun Ovoye, Hoodoo Obeya Bokor, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, universal, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a pan-African hoodoo world spiritualist perspective, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veil, for it is all just an illusion and a test of one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and my ever-living reality, it is crucial to the very foundation of my inner standing, my teaching, my walk, my work along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. It is how I, the divine prince, make sense out of all that we are challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother. And it is my personal place of power and inner standing that place from where I begin, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality. And so it is, I say. Today is November 22nd, 2018. Some say it is Thanksgiving Day. Indeed, in Voodoo, we are truly grateful and thankful each and every day. Each and every day we wake up and recognize our God and God's self. Each and every day we get up and wake up and acknowledge our ancestors and those shoulders upon which we stand. We indeed stand and should be operating in gratitude and thankfulness. For indeed, without them, this day would not be. Indeed, without them, there would be no thankfulness. And some would say even in the practice and demonstration of of Thanksgiving, uh, our footprint is not there. But our footprint is there, present. We, We have a history. We have a story. We have a lineage. And that needs to be shared. That needs to be spoken. That needs to be demonstrated. I have several people on my phone lines, and I'll I'll come to you all momentarily, so just bear with me. Please do press the number one on your telephone keypad at 347-215-8967 when you are ready with your question, comment, or request. Congo Square, Place Congo, is an open space now within Louis Armstrong Park, which is located in Treme, here in New Orleans, Louisiana, just across from Rampart Street in front of the French Quarter and just across the street from my house. The Treme neighborhood is famous for its history of African-American music, gospel, jazz, blues, 
in Louisiana's French and Spanish colonial era of the 18th century, enslaved Africans were commonly allowed Sundays off from their work. Although Code Noor was implemented in 1724, giving enslaved Africans the day off on Sundays, there were no laws in place giving them the right to congregate. Despite constant threat to these congregations, they often gathered in remote and public places, such as along levees, in public squares, in backyards, and anywhere they could find. On Bayou St. John, at a clearing called La Place de Congo, the various ethnic or cultural groups of colonial Louisiana traded and socialized. It was not until 1817 that the mayor of New Orleans issued a city ordinance and restricted any kind of gathering of enslaved Africans to the one location of Congo Square. They were allowed to gather in the Place des Negros, Place Publique, later Circus Square, or informally Place Congo at the back of town across Rampart Street from the French Quarter, where the enslaved would set up a market, sing, dance, and play music. This singing, dancing, and playing started as a byproduct of the original market during the uh, French reign. At the time, the enslaved could purchase their freedom and could freely buy and sell goods in the square in order to raise money to escape slavery. In 1819, the architect Benjamin Latrobet, a visitor of the city, wrote about the celebrations in his journal. Although he found them savage, he would say, he was amazed at the sight of 500, 600 unsupervised slaves who assembled for dancing. He described them as ornamented with a number of tails of the smaller wild beasts, the fringes, ribbons, little bells and shells and balls, jingling and flirting about the performer's legs and arms. The males covered themselves in ornamental and Indian dress and covered themselves only with a sash of the same sort wrapped around the body. Except for that, it is said that they went naked. Besides the music and dancing and performing, Congo Square also provided enslaved blacks with a place in which they could express themselves spiritually. This brief religious freedom on Sundays resulted in the practice of voodoo ceremonies. Voodoo with four O's, is an ancient religion that developed from enslaved Africans who brought this with them when they arrived in New Orleans in the 18th century. Voodoo was the most prominent from the 1820s to the 1860s as Congo Square provided an opportunity to expose people to this intriguing practice. True religious rituals were much more exotic and secretive, and focused on the religious and ritualistic aspects, while the voodoo in Congo Square was primarily a form of entertainment 
and a celebration of African culture. Some of the nationals and types of music heard in Congo Square were the result of these voodoo ceremonies. Marie Laveau, the first and most powerful voodoo queen, is one of the most well-known practitioners of voodoo in Congo Square. In the 1830s, Marie Laveau led dances in Congo Square and held darker, more covert rituals along the banks of Lake Pontchartrain and St. John's Bayou, it is said. One witness noted musicians and dancers represented tribal groupings, with each nation taking their place in different parts of the square. The musicians used a range of instruments from available cultures, drums, gourds, banjo-like instruments. Gradually, the music in the square gained more European influence as enslaved speaking, enslaved Africans speaking English, English-speaking Africans danced to songs like Old Virginia, Never Tire. This mix of African and European styles helped create African-American culture. And so today we stand at a crossroads, a crossroads of time and culture and history and tradition, and our ancestors are standing up to be acknowledged, to be recognized, to be given life through our demonstration. Divine, all-blessed Voodoo Queen, Colin Bo, I do see your hand is raised. Peace and blessings to you. Peace. How are you? Doing pretty good. How are you doing? All is a blessing. Give thanks. I wanted to uh, talk about uh, just a few things. Uh, you mentioned Congo Square and, you know, how we basically had our freedom on Sundays. And I just want to say to the listeners, a lot of times when I when we talk about this fact, um, people will say, you know, they'll kind of almost get a look on their face like, oh, wow, as if it was such a generous thing to do. But realize what they were doing by giving us our freedom on Sundays was that was an economic decision. And so in doing that, this wasn't just out of kindness, but this was really out of, you know, the best interest of their money. So... As you know, if we're enslaved at that point, you know, our food, clothing, and shelter would be taken care of on, you know, the days that we are, the rest of the week, basically. So in being free on Sundays, we were now responsible for our food, clothing, and shelter. So that led to a lot of our decisions about coming together. We had definitely had to pull from our tradition. We had to call on spirit. We had to do and use whatever resources we had. So if we did have something that we could trade and border with, that's what we would do, and we would come together. So it wasn't an act of kindness because a lot of people kind of confuse that, uh, but we absolutely had to come together just to survive on that day because at that point you were left with no food, clothing, and shelter. Also, I wanted to mention a lot of what was written and really how the whole idea of voodoo being evil or being um, represented in the way that it has 
those early people who were the onlookers of what happened in Congo Square and any other gathering were not black people. They were not mm-hmm. people who practiced voodoo. They were not enslaved Africans writing about what mm-hmm. happened. So these were yeah. people that were outside of the culture, and namely white men. And so when they start to talk about how we gyrate, or they start to talk about, you know, giving us these derogatory terms of what we wore, what we did, how we interacted, um, saying that this may have been an orgy, may have been a voodoo ritual, all of these these different things that they're saying and tying voodoo in with things that are not necessarily what voodoo is about, you have to realize that most of those folks at the time were either Catholic or they were Protestant. And now the Catholic Church is conservative enough, but then when you're looking at, you know, Protestant, they're even more Mm -hmm. conservative. So in some situations, even, you know, burning candles for a Protestant would not be in order. Or even for Catholics, the way that we, the type of music that we had, you know, most of their music would be chorales. Um, it would be something a little more conservative, maybe uh, dealing with a, maybe an a organ or a harpsichord. Uh, but our music, it was very lively. We had drums. We move. We have very outward displays of emotion, uh, which is very different than what you would see in a more conservative church setting at that time, particularly a European church setting. So all of these things colored the idea of what they thought voodoo was. I mean, at one point, uh, I mean, even when we think of the days when when rock and roll first, you know, uh, hit the mainstream, just the gyration of hips was seen as something ungodly or something evil or something overly sexual because they didn't understand what was happening. So it's not that so many people even had the chance to witness something negative happen in voodoo. It's just the interpretation. When, you, when you're not educated on a certain thing and you're not aware of a certain thing, you really don't know how to classify a certain thing. So we have to realize that these were not our ancestors writing these accounts about what supposedly did and did happen with voodoo or did and didn't happen in Congo Square. These were outsiders to our traditions. So we look at that. Of course, we read, we review everything, but we can never stop at what we find out in, you know, these older books. We can never stop at what we might see in movies and just say, okay, well, this is what it is. This is what we do. No, we have to go back to that tradition because we have to be the ones to tell that. And we can relate to that even now because when somebody, most of us are, at least old enough to remember the beginning of hip-hop. So we can look at that, and people may impart stories about that, that that's not the way we remember it, that's not the way it really was, but we're old enough to see people doing that to something that we can remember. Mm-hmm. So just want to make clear, just just realize that, you know, you may – find something in history, maybe you might go on a tour, maybe you might read a book and you might read something online, and you have to realize who that was written by and why they might say the things that they say about it or why they might omit some of the information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's still, you know, the, the attempt to, to, to explain or describe or tell our story um, from outside of the experience itself, 
Um, even as you were speaking, um, I thought about the Bible, for instance, and, and all the biblical stories and 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 how the tale was told. Uh, really, for for a hundred years or more, before people even began to write and consolidate these these so-called books that we now accept as being the Word of God, and we have to filter yeah. it through man's experience. And, and through man's motivation and through man's um, intention, if you will, the, 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 the painting that's being done, the picture that's being uh, presented, if you will, of voodoo even today is still often being appropriated, uh, consolidated, uh, attempts at being organized by people from outside the active voodoo community, the people who are not actually practicing, living, walking in this vocation of voodoo 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 300 days, 365 days a year. Uh, people who are not willing to commit that, give that, sacrifice that for this tradition, who are, are attempting to consolidate, organize, for, for lack of better words, what is really un unable to be contained. Voodoo cannot be contained. Our ancestors cannot be contained. The power, the ashe associated with it cannot be contained. That's right. That's right. And now it's not just a matter of outsiders to the culture. We have people who are very much novice in the tradition um, dressing up as you know, honored elders and trying to say this or that about the tradition and trying to make claims about it and trying to set rules about it that they're not in a position to do. So it's... And, um, and, and... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I was just going to say uh, from here moving forward, because now this is this is beginning to be a trend. So here moving forward, as the person who may be, be coming into this, you're going to have to look with a keen eye, and you're going to have to look for those and see, well, how long have they been doing this? Um, how much documentation is there? You know, how much have they documented themselves or how much has been documented about them? Uh, where are their referrals? You know, who can speak highly of them? And are they recognized this way in their greater community? Or is this just a claim that they're making? Those things really need to be looked at now. Yeah, I agree. Voodoo is so much more than than a cute picture and a meme, candle burning. It's so much more than that. It's so much more about who you are and how you stand in your truth and how you live each and every aspect of your life. Voodoo is not separate from how you love, how you date, how you interact with your family, how you get along in your job and your career. It's not separate from your your destiny. So this idea that it can somehow be masked behind a meme or or a cute quote and a picture uh, as as Buddha Queen Kalinda just stated, with no history, no documentation, no public record, 
no public demonstration of absolutely operating in this tradition whatsoever. You have to begin to question what it is that you, as the sojourner, the seeker, is really looking for. Are you really looking for a quick bell, something that's temporary? Are you really looking to drive through 7-Eleven and pick up your, your spirituality and your lineage and your heritage in that fashion? Or is this something you're really committed to? We, we fear commitment. I see all these dating sites and all the uh, conversation in social media about dating today in 2018, 2019. Um, and it's amazing to me the lack of communication that's still not present um, in our communities with each other, in our families, amongst each other, and, and ability to speak clearly, honestly, the truth, and then be held accountable to our words, to our demonstrations. This has to happen on the personal level, level individually, but also at the cultural level because as we move forward and technology gains strength, technology continues to grow, our lives, if you will, are not hidden, are not secret. Generations that will follow us will be able to speak to what we did and how we lived and how we showed up in a way that's never existed before in history. The ability to crystallize your story in video, in audio, in writing, it's never been as widely available as it is today. We think about a few hundred years ago when just to be an author and to write a book and to acquire materials for book writing was a challenge for the individual. Today you not only have your social media, but you have a computer, many of you, most of you, and you have Word and you have other uh, uh, technological tools and tricks that allow you to tell your story. And many of you are telling your story. We see you. We hear you. We, we un- identify with you uh, at a human level. We all want to be humanized, but we don't play and take shortcuts and, and, and other tricks when it comes to the voodoo and, and the acknowledgement of our ancestors, for indeed they have the last say. The ancestors decide who's in leadership. The ancestors decide who's representing for them, who's stewarding their messages. Those, those, those messages come down through the pinto matan. Those messages come down through the tree from the ancestors and, and hit the ground running and hit the ground running and standing up in each and every one of us to be our most authentic demonstration of what we say we believe. We do have a few more minutes left, Kalinda, if you want to speak something, add something to it, or you might even have something new or different you might want to say right now. I just want to say when you when you made that statement about, you know, this coming down through the Potomitan, coming down through the tree, uh, even the ancestral tree that we have in Congo Square, 
when it comes down, you see it in action, and you will know the truth by that action. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what what someone seeks to do, whether we're talking about early on the people who sought to demonize this tradition and to steer us away from it and to put out all of this propaganda, or whether you're talking about people today trying to stop forward motion from happening, trying to stop the work of the ancestors, the ancestors will have the final say, and we see it in action. We see plans being destroyed all the time for the greater good of what is needed to perpetuate this tradition. So nothing is really going to stop this right now. You can focus on one person or certain people, or you can try to uh, discredit a certain, um, you know, place and the tradition of that place, but nothing is going to stop this. And we see this every day in our work. It shows up in the demonstration. It stands up in the demonstration. As always, yeah, I thank you absolutely. for being with us, particularly on this yes. holiday. You could be relaxing. You could be doing many other things. You could be working. And so I'm always grateful that you take the time in the middle of your day to be present with us here at High Noon, U.S. Central Standard Time. We have many callers on the phone line. Um, nobody raised their hand. <laughs> And that's okay. <laughs> people like to call in and, and listen, and we want people to listen and, and digest the material and, and be clear about what's being said and demonstrated here in this space. But we always invite you to press the number one and share your, your opinion, your criticism, your question, your concerns as it relates to, to the show and, more importantly, to this revolutionary, authentic New Orleans voodoo demonstration. A a new day is on us. It's it's already in motion, and so we can only humble ourselves to the will, to the call of the ancestors, or or quickly get out of the way, because they are going to have their say. If they're already uh, standing up and demonstrating through not only us but in the community in a way that is tangible and cannot be denied. Everybody sees it. Everybody feels Mm -hmm. it. It's a strong call. Marie has called people to the city to do work. Marie has called people in the city to stand up and do this work. And so either you're acknowledging the call or you're not. You're acknowledging it or you're not. So I am always humbled and honored and thankful each and every day that I wake up, each and every day that I have an opportunity to do this broadcast, each and every day I have an opportunity to to correct a wrong, to retell the story in a way that's authentic to who we are today. I'm grateful to be... Uh, the king of New Orleans voodoo and leader of New Orleans voodoo. I'm grateful to be in the company and the presence and in and work with the queen of voodoo, New Orleans voodoo. I'm, I'm grateful for many things um, every day and not just on November 22nd. 
And I'm sure you would say the same thing, Queen. Absolutely. I'm grateful to be able to do this work, to be able to have uh, the platforms that we do to get this information out, also to be the voodoo queen of New Orleans, to be in that position, to be given that position. Um, I'm grateful that people are now coming into the city, uh, that they're now standing up, whether it be from far or whether it be in the city, you know, here with us. I'm grateful to see that something that, you know, I have been working for, we have been working for, you know, for well over 20 years. Now we're starting to see everything come into place as it was. We're beginning to see and receive acknowledgement as well. And and I'm grateful for acknowledgement. I'm humbled by acknowledgement. But, but I'm even more humbled by people who are taking active part, participation, whether it's in front of the, the camera or behind the camera, whether they're actually operating within our tradition or they're just supporting us in maintaining the tradition. And, and that includes masking. Masking Indian is a major undertaking. Um, the time yeah. um, that you have to sacrifice, you know, 11, 12 hours out of your day, so while still earning your living, while still paying your bills, while still trying to operate a, a functioning voodoo ministry, while still acknowledging your, your requests from your clients, often urgent requests, things that will cause you to put your needle down, things that will cause you to have to, to get up and leave your space and go out into the world and do real hands-on healing and work. All those things have to be considered. In, in the the budgeting of what it takes to make Mardi Gras happen, thousands of people every year for a few days out of the year. It, it's a, it's, it is itself a vocation. It is itself a, a job. And so I'm grateful for not only us and the representation for voodoo, but also the represent, representation of culture. And so we appreciate people who support, who send donations, who, who make it their business to RSVP, to call ahead, to let us know that they're coming so that when you get here, we can then provide you the best experience. Um, I just felt a shift there in the conversation and the answers are really pushing me now to say something that's been on my mind and on my heart um, for, for a few days here. We love your visits. We love your support. But you've got to let us know you're coming. You can't just show up in town like a tourist. In my mind, and, and Queen, correct me if I'm wrong, in my mind, you've already respected the airlines enough to pay for your ticket to get here and to make a reservation. You've already respected the hotels enough to give them your credit card and to secure a space and make a reservation. You've already secured, to some degree, many of you in your minds, where you want to eat, where you want to go, what you want to see. And, and the tourist industry has a lot of money behind it, has a lot of promotion behind it. So we get that you have a plan. But we get it. But culture should not be a second thought. 
your ancestors should not be an afterthought. And particularly, particularly those of you who are related to us, connected to us, brothers, sisters, distant cousins. Y'all know what I mean. And you're trying to connect ancestry and you're trying to connect lineage. And, and you're standing up in social media as being sort of armchair revolutionary representatives of this culture. But you're not making any greater authentic organic connection to us than any other tourist. You're here to take our picture. You're here to photograph with us. You're here to document us, you know, for your great blogs. And we, we appreciate the great blogs. We appreciate that. But make sure you're being authentic in your representation of the culture and your connection to it. We shouldn't be an afterthought. We should already know that you're coming. We should already know that you want to meet us in Congo Square. And we'd be happy more than likely to participate in these other endeavors. But you've got to show some respect to the queen. You've got to show some respect to the king of voodoo. You've got to show some respect to the divine prince. Understand, this is not a show. This is a 24-hour living and vocation for us. I'm either filming or sewing or getting ready to film or getting ready to go into a ceremony, a ritual, a reading. Buddha is not part-time. Buddha is not a hobby. And so, you know, sort of the assumption that we go in south and things are going to be a little bit slower and people going to be waiting on us to show up. You know, that's what we used to do. You go south to grandma's, whatever. They don't know you're coming. Oh, baby, hey, come on in. What y'all want to eat? And then she'd get in the kitchen, you know, and, and, and pre- prepare a, a holiday-sized meal for everybody to enjoy. But, but the reality is when you're talking about cultural representation, you got to let us know you're coming. Am I wrong, Queen? Oh, no, it it says a lot about respect, and it says a lot about value. When you value something, number one, you're going to make sure that you arrange something ahead of time because you want to make sure that this is going to happen. So you book it ahead of time. The same way you book your flight ahead of time, you don't walk into the airport and just say, hey, put me on whatever's going to New Orleans. You book it ahead of time. You want to make sure it's going to happen, you know, and you value that. You value where you go, what you do, what that experience is going to be. And all too often, we tend to do this to ourselves. We take what we do for granted, much in the same way that we don't buy our own art, for instance. We don't buy uh, art. We don't spend money on music. We think it should all be free, and not only free, we think it should be readily available around the clock. And so we have to understand we are the only ones that's going to fund this for ourselves, we should be the, the main contributors of this, especially if we want to keep it our own and we want to keep it authentic and we want to control the narrative. We have to be responsible for that. So the same way that somebody would go and put, you know, money into church, we have to understand that we have to do this with our culture. We have to be the ones to to make sure that this continues. And so, yeah, you would want to get with us ahead of time. You have to realize that we have clients, we have obligations, we have rituals. So you can't just come at any time and expect to see us. Yes, Congo Square 
is something that we're doing more often than not. But sometimes we may have an other, other obligation at the same time. Sometimes we may be in Congo Square doing specific work for specific people, and so we can't necessarily answer your questions or be there to, you know, give you that, you know, um, give you that kind of response that you're looking for in the moment. So arrange ahead of time. Show respect. Show value to us and also to your culture. And do this in the way that you would do anything else that you hold in high regard. And understand, Congo Square is a public space. It is a sacred space. It is a sacred space to us, indeed. It's a historically sacred space. The Homa Indians had corn festivals in that space. But today, in modern society, in modern, modern laws and legislation, Congo Square sits in the middle of Armstrong Park, which is a public space. And so there will right. be other events in Congo Square. There will be other festivals in Congo Square that we are not necessarily in control of, that we don't necessarily organize, that we don't necessarily participate in. And so we do have to make a decision when those festivals are happening about our presence in Congo Square and to what degree we can show up in Congo Square. Sometimes we can only just walk through Congo Square if there's thousands of people out there for, you know, a hostel festival or, or something like that. You know, we can't always set up and bring all of our, our shrine and, and sacred implements to that place and lay them on the ground with people walking their dogs and cats and, and people running all over the place, you know, if it's the gumbo fest or something going on. So, you find these things out ahead of time. Congo Square is not that free cultural thing that we're we going to go and get some pictures and say we black and we cultural or, or we had that experience um, on the whim last minute. And as, as we Queen fly said, it's, it's, Yeah, it's really disrespectful. So I, I had to get that out. Obviously, the ancestors wasn't going to let me in this show without getting that out. Again, I'm grateful for you and your work, Queen. Um, I don't know how to reach you because you never tell anybody how to reach you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> Voodoo Queen Kalinda Laveau, I can be reached at ladylaveau.com. That's www.ladylaveaux.com. I can also be reached on Facebook and Instagram, Kalinda Laveau and on YouTube at Voodoo Queen Kalinda Lavos. And indeed, you already know www.houseofthedivineprince.com. All is truly and indeed a blessing. We are grateful to the ancestors, grateful, thankful to those who laid the foundation upon which we now stand, those who shared and shared and gave their blood, sweat, and tears, that we might stand up in a revolutionary way today in representation of voodoo, hoodoo, New Orleans voodoo, Louisiana voodoo, Mississippi Delta voodoo, in truth, to stand up in it authentically, we give thanks. We give thanks to Marie Laveau. We give thanks to Dr. John. We give thanks to, to uh, Mother Catherine. We give thanks to all those great 
healers and representatives of this culture who, who had the nerve to stand up, who were fearless in their standing up, who wouldn't back down, who wouldn't go away, who wouldn't be quiet, who wouldn't be blocked by fear. We give thanks for them in this moment. We give thanks 